And of course, we can talk about the climate crisis and we can talk about the the pain to the animals themselves and we can talk about the strain on the health of our species and we can talk about so many different things. The answer to which keeps coming back to, hey, embrace a vegan lifestyle and so much of this dissipates. Creative solutions are the best contributions we make. Welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. This episode is brought to you by my upcoming class, Meditation for Busy People, where you're going to be able to discover clarity and joy in just five minutes a day. It's also brought to you by the Brain FM app and this podcast's host, Podbean. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram or TikTok and check out our shop for merch, music, and musings. The links are all in the show notes. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. This is another Vegan Life Solutions episode. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg, and I am thrilled that you're joining me for another episode in the Veganism and the Environment series. Last week, I talked about ocean health and marine life health. And this week, I want to talk a little bit differently about water, but it's still a super important topic. And that's it about water scarcity and the profound impact of vegan lifestyles and diets. I want you to get ready to explore the water-intensive nature of animal agriculture and discover how embracing that vegan lifestyle can help alleviate water scarcity issues both locally and globally. Water, the essence of life, the vital force that sustains us all. I like to think of it as this way. We can survive without food for about three weeks. We can survive without water for about three days, and we can survive without air for about three minutes. And the middle one, water, it's one of those that there's not a single living being that does not require water. So I want you to picture our planet as a vast and intricate network of rivers, lakes, streams, flowing with pristine water that supports a harmonious ecosystem. Now imagine a scenario where this network becomes strained or polluted, where the flow diminishes and scarcity takes hold. This is the reality we're facing today, and it's essential to understand how animal agriculture contributes to this particular water crisis. Just as a river feeds an entire community, our global water resources are meant to nourish and sustain all the living beings on this planet. But the water-intensive nature of animal agriculture creates a growing imbalance. It strains this delicate equilibrium, if you will. It's like a greedy giant slurping up the river's water. The livestock industry consumes a staggering amount of water for various purposes, from growing feed crops to hydrating animals and cleaning facilities. And if animal agriculture wasn't here, all of that water would be available for all of the living beings on the earth. Now I want to take a minute and consider the analogy of a garden. Imagine a garden that thrives with vibrant plant life, each plant drinking from the same limited water source. Because remember, the fresh water that we have on the planet is a tiny percentage of the volume of the entire planet and the volume of all of the water, actually. Most of the water 
on the planet, on the planet's surface, that's accessible to us is ocean water, which is entirely too salty to sustain most life on Earth. And when you look at the brackish water, which is sort of halfway between salt water and fresh water, it too is not usable. And there is no great easy way to desalinate the ocean's water reserves. So there's no real effective and efficient way to do that. So the fresh water we have is a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of the water and an even smaller percentage of the entire planet. And so when you envision that garden, remember that this is a very limited and easy to strain resource. Now, I want you to envision that a section of that garden is transformed into a huge lawn where that water-thirsty grass demands a huge amount of water. And, and grass is a, it's, it's a, it's never ending <laughs> as far as grass, the need that grass has for hydration. So there's less for all of the other plants. And this imbalance mirrors the impact of animal agriculture on our water resources. The water consumed to produce a single pound of a dead cow or dairy from that cow is just a ton greater than what's required to produce an equivalent amount of plant-based alternatives of vegan food. So by embracing that vegan lifestyle, we foster a garden of equilibrium, ensuring that water resources are distributed more efficiently. And I need to say that water scarcity is not only a global issue. It's also a real local and regional concern that's going to affect the communities all over the planet. And when we look at drought-stricken regions like the area around Cape Town, South Africa, they meet they struggle to meet those water demands of the populations. And the problem is is that they get to a point where they're they're very close to day 0 where there is just no water. And especially in the Cape Town region in South Africa, luckily they keep being able to push back that day zero, but that's only just, right? They're not, <laughs> every drop counts. And we have to examine the role that all of the strain that we're putting on our water supply from animal agriculture is making. It's taking its toll in a major way, and it's almost impossible to undo unless we make radical shifts in the way we grow and eat food. And the excessive water consumption required for animals that are being raised for agriculture places this huge strain on local water supplies, and it exacerbates the scarcity, affecting not only the human popula populations, but also the ecosystems that rely on these water resources. And those ecosystems are all of the plants, all of the animals, and all of the humans. And I have to I'm saying animals and humans, but I, you know, I believe that humans are, <laughs> there's animals and there's non-human animals and we're all animals. So I believe that we are all responsible for maintaining that resource. The animal population is not ever taking more than it needs. The human animal population is often taking more than it needs. And that imbalance is to our detriment. It's something that we can all do something about if we make the choice to do so. 
So what can we do to alleviate water scarcity and and ensure a sustainable water future? Well, embracing a plant-based diet. And I I will say it every episode, you know I mean vegan. The vegan lifestyle is an ethical stance and an ethical choice. And when I say plant-based, I, I really want to be saying vegan and maybe I should just start saying it that way from now on because that's really how I feel because it is, there are so many different systems that uh, rely on the use and the subjugation of animals that we need to dismantle because A, it's obviously horrific for the animals and B, it's horrific for the planet and C, it's horrific for the Uh, human animals. It's just horrific, right? (laughs) I keep saying that, but it's really true. For everything from uh, fur farms to leather to uh, the the horrific practices of testing on animals for cosmetics and cleaning solutions and things like that, and even medicines, because more and more they're, they're coming out with studies that say that it's not efficacious to test on animals, and yet we do, right? So, if there are better, less expensive, more accurate ways to do it, we should be doing it. We should be embracing other ways of testing on animals. We should be uh, testing medicines. No, we shouldn't be embracing other ways, testing on animals. I misspoke. But do you see what I mean? This is one of those things. I get all riled up and passionate about it and start going, kind of going, ah, because it's so important to me that we realize that, of course, it's horrific for the animals when we test on them, of course it is. And it's also not efficient, it's not as effective. So the question then becomes, are we doing it just because we've always done it? Are we doing it because it's rote, because it's habit? And are there ways to do it? And I think there are, I keep seeing studies on it, where we're not using animals for this purpose. And the same goes for animal agriculture. Are there ways to feed the planet without using animals. And of course there are lots of ways. And we need to look at them because this is all one biosphere. This is all one huge system. And human animals are taking more than their fair share and putting a strain on every single part of that system. Now this week in the show, I'm talking about water scarcity, but I could also talk about the role that animal agriculture plays in air quality and, of course, in soil quality and, of course, in, in, in the health of the, of the human animals who eat all of these animal products. There are so many ways that we are using animals to obviously their detriment, but also to ours. And we need to look at that very carefully moving forward because this is finite. Our resources are finite. Our ability to live the way we're living is finite unless we make some very serious changes. And of course, we can talk about the climate crisis and we can talk about the the pain to the animals themselves. And we can talk about the strain on the health of our species, and we can talk about so many different things, the answer to which keeps coming back to, hey, embrace a vegan lifestyle, and so much of this dissipates, right? Yes, there will be need to dismantle the various systems that have been set up for so long and have such huge infrastructures and have such very powerful lobbies, especially in the USA, 
And yet we see other countries are embracing veganism. I just saw an article that said that first graders in Germany, something like 1% of them eat meat or something like that. Most of them are on plant-based or vegan diets. Why? Because it works, right? There, I just also saw that uh, Game Changers, which is a phenomenal documentary about vegan athletes, is getting a sequel. Why? Because it works, because it's been so effective. Veganism, a vegan diet has been so effective for so many professional athletes that they're making another one because it works. And I just keep saying that veganism because it works. And yes, I am vegan for the animals first and it works. And I'm going (laughs) to I'm going to just go ahead and just be really real with y'all. So I just went to the doctor and uh I'm 56 years old, so there you go. And by now, many 56-year-olds are on all sorts of uh, medicines for various and sundry ailments. And I just got all my blood results and everything back, uh, my my test results. And she, my doctor was like, you're how old again? (laughs) Because everything was great. Yeah, I have genetic uh, cholesterol issues, and that's just how that is. But she said, oh, you can go vegan. That will help. And I said, I'm already vegan. And she said, well, then just add more fiber and come back in three months. It's at 56. You're doing incredibly well with all of your test results. And, and I said, well, I've been vegan for a long time. And she said, that's probably why. And I went, yes. And I don't know if my doctor's vegan, but she certainly was very uh, complimentary to me about being vegan. And also that she said that veganism is great for controlling some of the issues that we now use medicines for. And I went, yeah, (laughs) I treat whatever ailments I have, I treat naturally. And that's the way I want to keep doing it. And the reason I I talk, I'm talking about this now, it's weird to be talking about my medical history. It's because I really feel like I am proof in the pudding. I've been vegetarian. I went vegetarian and 1987 and vegan more, much more recently than that. And Still, it has made such a difference in my energy level, in the way I live my life. And in just, honestly, I love eating guilt-free. I know that sounds weird, but I, I have anxiety and the anxiety comes into full force if I think that I am hurting anyone else, any other being. And so the anxiety is just not there when I'm vegan. I don't have to worry about whether or not what I'm putting in my body or what products I'm using, what clothes I'm wearing, were the skin or the innards of a creature who didn't want to die. And so it's just it just makes it so much easier to think about the role that I play And I'm not trying to be prescriptive here, although you know I am because I keep going, go vegan, go vegan. But what I'm trying to do more is to just say that it were veganism because it works. And that (laughs) I think I need to put that on a T-shirt because it's true. It's just so true. And it's so important for us to realize that the swallowing the terror and the fear and the pain of a critter that died, that we killed, that somebody in a slaughterhouse killed to eat, uh, you're eating that. You're eating that energy. And so, wow, is it much easier to go, nope, I'm not part of that. I'm going to go have my tomato and cucumber and bean salad and enjoy myself and feel completely guilt-free about what I've put in my body and the fact that I'm not part of that system. 
And wow, I just went all over and I, I needed to, I think, because I think it's important to talk about and to release some of that out there uh, because because it is important, because it works. I, I am. I'm going to put out a, a T-shirt that says veganism because it works. Anyway, uh, I hope that you have enjoyed this far flung and very personal episode. I if you have questions about anything that I'm doing to uh, control my hypothyroidism, to work on all of my various and sundry <laughs> numbers, yes, I have to eat oatmeal for breakfast now because my cholesterol level is a little too high. Even though she said, you know, vegan. And I said, well, I'm vegan. She went, oh, then it's, it is genetic. And I said, yeah, it's genetic. And she said, okay, you need to eat more roughage, more fiber, start eating oatmeal for breakfast. And I went, okay, I haven't been. I used to, but I haven't been. So today I had my very first oatmeal meal for breakfast and it was oatmeal with a little maple syrup, some blueberries, bananas, chia seeds, hemp hearts, and almonds. And it was amazing and delicious. So there you go. Maybe I'll start telling you what I have for breakfast. Although from now on, uh, I think it's going to be some variation of oatmeal with nuts, seeds, and fruit. And, uh, and that's it. That's going to be breakfast from now on as much as I can, because that is what's going to help me lower my numbers. And I hope that three months from now, I can come back and report to you that yes, my numbers are all perfect instead of my cholesterol being a little high. Alrighty. Uh, again, very personal episode. And I don't normally share this kind of personal information, but I figure, you know what, if it helps anybody else take charge of their health and their life in this way, then I feel like I've done my job. My, one of my central tenets to my life is leave it better than you found it. And whatever it is, whether it's me talking with you or you going on and doing something amazing and creative with your day in your life or you ordering a plant-based meal the next time you're out or you trying the new vegan candy bar that's out or you uh, going, you know what? I don't need a leather belt. There are lots of, there's pineapple leather right now. I found out there's pineapple leather and I'm like, yes, I need a pineapple leather belt. That would be super cool. Anyway, there are so many ways that we can ripple out and do incredible work together. So if you have any questions, I have a, a little a little uh, link to Stovepipe, which means that you can leave me a voicemail. And if you have a question, I would love to hear from you. Go to the show notes and leave a message and I'll put your question and my answer on the air. I hope that you've enjoyed this Vegan Life Solutions episode. And this was the, I think, sixth uh, episode in the Veganism and the Environment series with a little bit of personal information from your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Until next time, I remind you as always to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2023. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. Until next time, keep living what you believe in.